You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. Retail bankruptcies, store closures, staff redundancies. These are the topics that continue to dominate the headlines. And I'm not going to sugarcoat things. It is still an incredibly challenging time for retail. Things will likely get worse before they get better. And the disparity between retail's winners and losers will continue to grow. But it's not all doom and gloom. And today I want to talk about something positive. Something that is often underreported store openings. Now, I stand by my view that the future of retail is fewer, better stores. And this great recalibration, this right-sizing of store portfolios will continue because everyone in the industry is trying to work out the best and also the most cost-effective balance of physical and digital. So who in the UK is opening stores this year? Well, you have the obvious candidates, those value retailers that are naturally going to do very well during a cost of living crisis. So Primark, for example, is opening a handful of stores. But more impressively, you have Aldi, who just recently announced plans to invest £400 million in opening 40 new stores and creating 6,000 jobs. Now, It's really no surprise that the discounters continue to go from strength to strength. We heard uh, just last week from Tim Steiner, the um, CEO of Ocado, that there is this unwinding of COVID habits. Shoppers are no longer doing that massive weekly online shop. And instead, basket sizes are now back to pre-COVID levels. And so... I think what this shows is that there is a return to physical retail in such a major way within the grocery category. I think in the current climate, shoppers recognize that they can get better value by shopping in store. Uh, There's more choice, of course, because you've got the likes of Aldi and Lidl who, you know, they've dabbled with e-commerce, but let's face it, the economics of that model just don't stack up for them. Um, but shoppers can also, you know, if they're shopping in traditional supermarkets, you know, they're going to find those those yellow stickers. They're going to find more promotions. They're not going to have any extra um, fees. There's certainly no no delivery fee when you shop in store. Um, so on the whole, I mean, we can talk for hours about what's happening within the grocery sector because there's, you know, so much happening and there's there's lots to kind of digest there. But I think on the whole, it's important to call out that uh, customers in the current climate are shopping little and often. They're putting fewer items in their baskets, although the opposite is probably true with the discounters. And they're also trading down to value ranges. So looking beyond those discount retailers, we also see the likes of Ikea, shoe retailer Dune. And Even fashion chains like Monsoon, Jigsaw, and Mango, all of these retailers are expanding their physical footprint this year. Now, one of the most hotly anticipated store openings, or should I say reopenings, is happening this week. 
US-based beauty retailer Sephora re-entered the UK market last fall when it spent a whopping £132 million to acquire the online beauty retailer Feel Unique. This week, we'll see it open its first store in Westfield in White City, West London. Now, Sephora UK is a really interesting case study. The retailer originally exited the market 18 years ago, literally months after I moved here. (laughs) So disappointing. Uh, They, at the time, had six stores, which they shuttered because they just found that the cost of doing business in the UK was too great. Rents were really high. Competition was fierce. But let's address the elephant in the room straight away. A lot of the competition that Sephora was up against in 2005 has disappeared. Certainly a lot of department stores with their huge beauty halls. Now, of course, others have emerged in their absence, particularly um, particularly online and within the D2C space. And um, on the bricks and mortar side, the department stores that are left standing, so Marks and Spencer in particular, and John Lewis, and on the luxury and Harrods, they've all naturally upped their beauty game. But beauty is one of those hugely resilient categories, even in the face of a pandemic or a cost of living crisis, as we've all learned in recent times. I think that the Sephora launch will be hugely successful. There is an incredible amount of not only brand awareness already, but brand affinity. And on top of that, the appetite for IRL shopping, if you will, um, the appetite for getting back in stores and trying stuff on and seeing and feeling and smelling and engaging with other humans if we if we want to. Um, but the, the idea of coming back into store and, and sort of engaging all the senses and creating those memorable experiences. Uh, in fact, Sephora actually uses that word memorable um, in, in their press release. Now, Sephora's return will certainly put pressure on the traditional players, the likes of Boots and Superdrug, but also the beauty specialists, both online and offline, Cult Beauty, Look Fantastic, Space NK, of course, all the, the remaining de- department stores that are, uh, are left on our high streets. Now, according to Sephora, the store will be defined by an attentive combination of human touch and technology. Now, I smiled when I read this because my go-to phrase at the moment when talking about those retailers that are doing well and getting things right, my go-to phrase is tech-enabled human touch. And I thought that uh, that Sephora comment really, really summed that up. Um, you know, Sephora has been a real trailblazer when it comes to utilizing technology in their stores. You know, they were one of the first retailers to embrace augmented reality and it's been really successful for them they're one of those retailers that just gets it they understand that technology on its own isn't going to solve any problems in fact technology works best when it sort of seamlessly fades into the background and you don't even realize it's there um, from a customer experience perspective and I think Sephora, you know, again, they were one of those uh, pioneers when it come when it came to um, implementing certain technologies in their stores. And I think, you know, they just get that when you marry tech with the human touch, that's when the magic happens. That's when you enable a really fantastic and unique customer experience. 
And also, I think they recognize the absolute um, essential but evolving role that a sales associate plays in this kind of environment. So I'm really interested to visit the store. I, um, you know, I think that, you know, they'll be using tech to cut out some of the friction. Um, but I think they'll be going deeper. Um, they'll be, you know, looking at tech in, in, in order to add value and, and ultimately drive loyalty uh, with their customers. I was in a sweaty Betty recently and I noticed that their staff are all equipped with mobile um, POS systems, which I thought was really cool because it's that tech that cuts friction, but not in a soulless kind of way. And so I think anything that helps to democratize that white glove experience is going to be a win. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference.